0: Friends, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we come before you. And we delight in shouting Hosanna and welcoming you. And we do that again this day. In fact, every week, I think we need this reminder because we get off alignment and our life shifts off of you and into us and into this world over and over again. So we thank you for giving us your word to center us, to return us back to your truth and to you. God, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you. We don't want to just worship songs that sing about you, but we want to worship you for the rest of our lives. So give us faith. Give us a passion and boldness. Open our eyes as we prayed in the beginning of this worship. Open our ears and open our hearts that this is not just a seasonal moment, but that we would welcome you, Jesus, as king every day of our lives. This we pray in your most holy name. Amen. So, they call this the triumphal entry. And if you think about the title, the triumphal entry, it's a really weird title because there is no triumph. There is no battle that's been won yet. The battle is coming. So, why would they call this a triumphal entry? And it gets a little stranger because if you noticed, I didn't pick up on this Uh, Until this year and you know i've been going to church my whole life. I became a christian in 1988 Some of you weren't even born and you read the bible over and over again You go through palm sunday over and over again You go through easter and you realize that no matter how many times you go through it It's the same message that you could regurgitate But there's always something new that you see in the bible And one of the things that we discovered is jesus is the king and they're hailing him as Yes, the king has come, and he's a king who can't even own his own donkey. He has to borrow it from a stranger. Triumphal entry, I don't know if it's a triumphal entry. So Jesus comes down, and leading up to Matthew 21, it shows that he's coming from Mount of Olives. He's coming from Bethphage, which they pronounce Bethphage, but it's easier in English to say Bethpage, and Bethany. He rides into Jerusalem, and as he's riding on this trip it says then he returned to bethany where he stayed overnight this day he doesn't stay in jerusalem but he goes in there things happen and by the end of our reading he leaves jerusalem so that i never picked up on that i thought he came in passion week he hunkered down in jerusalem and now he's headed for the cross that didn't happen he came he looked he cleaned the temple he cried and then he lived so This day, though, kicks off what we call as Passion Week, and I'm really excited. I hope that you'll be able to join us for part two, which is Good Friday, and then next Sunday is Easter, uh, part three. And just before he enters in, Matthew 20, verse 18 and 19, right before this, this is what Jesus says to his disciples, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, this is what he referred to himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Now, if there's a triumphal entry, why would he say that I am going and the purpose of this is for me to die, but I will rise again? And you could clearly tell disciples had no clue. They they followed along, but they just didn't understand it. And so everything in today's text indicates one thing true, though. Jesus would have made a wonderful wedding coordinator. If you read this text, I never picked up on this. Everything that you and I read today was prearranged by Jesus. It wasn't a divine power. He had scheduled the time, the place. He had scheduled even the donkeys. And he had scheduled it with the owners of the donkeys. Uh, it's not in the Bible, but he probably said, hey, uh, at the beginning of Passover, I'm going to come and there's going to be crowds. I'm going to need a donkey, and somebody's going to come to you and say the master needs it. And when he does, would you give him the donkey? And so Jesus had planned all of this; none of this was accidental. The timing of it was interesting. Uh, how many people live in La mirada Do you know the population? Anybody know? Oh, okay, at least one. So, so we we have. There's about 50,000 people that live in La Mirada. And then when Biola is closed, it's about 40,000. That might be actually true. No, but it's about 50,000. And so Roman census has documentation that during Passover, people from all foreign nations who identify as Jews come to pilgrimage during the Passover. Do you know how many people fill this city? 25 Million people are flooding into Jerusalem. Now, just imagine Olympics happening in La Mirada, 2.5 million people coming here. It would be just, just tight, and traffic jam would be everywhere. And so, Jesus picks of all times to walk into Jerusalem to declare, I am the king. Riding on a donkey, letting them know the Messiah has come, was very intentional. But at the same time, it's balanced because if you have 2.5 million people who are looking for a new king, can you imagine, just imagine with me, what do you think would have happened if Jesus strolled in riding a majestic horse with his disciples flanked on his side? What is the message that would communicate to the 2.5 million people gathered there? You know, we are going to take down Rome. Jesus rode a donkey for numerous reasons, but one of the newest reasons that I think we, we miss is if 2.5 million people are riled up and Jesus comes in and says, let's take them down, they would have said, let's go. And Jesus could have won. He could have gathered enough zealots and followers and started a coup and a rebellion and jesus could have won but you and i know that's not how the story goes one of the reasons why jesus rode a donkey was the old testament representation of donkey was kings rode donkeys that was true but they rode donkeys because the war was already won you're not going to ride a donkey into battle you will die you ride a horse into battle but why would kings ride a donkey i don't need to fight I'm coming nice and cozy on this donkey because I've already won. Peace. And so the message of the king was peace has come. So Jesus, it's such a mixed message. It's like a good food that you eat There's like bursting with so much flavor. So much is going on in this text. Jesus is coming in as the king. Yet he doesn't want a military rebellion. He wants the people to know do you remember the last time you saw somebody riding on a donkey and they'll say yes in the old testament in first kings chapter one david is dying and he's old and he has sons and sons are having so sibling rivalry one of his son's name was adonijah and adonijah said dad is dying so he gathered up a military general and a few people and guess what he did i want you Make sure that I'm the king. Adonijah was doing a subversion to David and he wants that throne. So King David hears about this in 1 Kings 1. Bathsheba comes in and says, You said Solomon was going to be the king. So David is alarmed as an old man. And you know what David did? Go bring Solomon. David calls Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. He brings the three most trusted people. And he says to them, take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon, my son, ride on his on my own mule. Everyone, what does the president of the United States ride when he goes cross country? What does he ride? What's the name of that blue? Air Force One, right? You and I don't get to ride Air Force One. Only the president rides Air Force One. In the old days, the kings had their air force one and it was a special mule only the king rode this mule as a sign of royalty regality and what is david doing i want you to convey to the world there is one true king that i have picked it's solomon solomon will ride my own mule into the town and i want you to crown him do you see where jesus is going In this world, you have Caesar, and Caesar says he is king. In this world, you think you're king, and you live your life like, I don't need God. But I'm going to ride into Jerusalem on a mule on this day. It's not an accident. I want you to know. I want the world to know. There is one king, and I have arrived. Triumphal, not because the world is unnoticed because they're going to be defeated, triumphal because jesus has now made it public you are not the king the president is not the king caesar is not the king rome is not the king but god is the king so this is such and then it shifts again because there's something else about this riding the donkey it's so humble has anyone rode ridden a donkey maybe grand canyon anywhere maybe oh so two people I, I I rode a horse this past summer with the youth group kids, um, and it was clunky. Like I'm like I'm not a horse rider, I don't have the posture, and I'm like tripping over. But donkeys are are smaller, and you know it it, it looks a little bit clunky. You know, you, you don't go into a, a wedding riding a donkey. You you don't go to battle, and so donkey is, is is also humble. It's a symbolic as a regal, but it's also very humble. Uh, be, One of the thoughts I had for today was for children's message was actually, I'm glad I didn't do it, but had the kids come up and then I would come in wearing a robe on a tricycle. (laughs) And the kids would be like, why is a pastor riding a tricycle? And I think for the children, they would have seen Jesus riding a donkey like that. Why is this guy riding a donkey? And we're calling him king. See, I think our human mind says that Powerful, stronger, important, ride something big and great. That's why we, I think America sold Lincoln Continentals and town cars, right? You didn't drive a Hyundai XL. You drove a big car, Buick, Lesaver. And so Jesus comes in on this donkey to also connote this message. I am humble, but I am not weak. I am humble, but I am not weak. In fact, Jesus, the first thing, did you catch today's reading? What's the first thing Jesus does? He rides in on the donkey, comes into Jerusalem, thousands of people are waving palm branches, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna. And what's the first thing you see after that? I'll tell you, it's in verse 12 and 13 in your Bible. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. He comes in humble, and it says here a king who comes riding in humble. And at the same time, in his humility, our God is not weak. The temple was desecrated. It reminds us of 170 B.C., There was a king named Antiochus Epiphanes. He hated the Jews so much. He took the temple, and if you have Jewish friends and Muslim friends, what's the one animal they don't eat? Pork. And this king was so vile and hated the Jews. He said, if you worship Yahweh God, you will die. But he also went into the temple, went to the Holy of Holies altar, and killed a pig and sacrificed a pig on their altar. And he turned the whole courtyard of the temple into a brothel. So in, in an uncano, non-canonical version of the Bible called the Maccabees, it's recorded there was a Jewish revolt. The Maccabee family rose up and they revolted against Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes, and they won. And what's the first thing they did? They cleansed out the temple. They washed it. They rededicated it to God. And guess what the people did? They waved palm branches as a sign of victory. They were renewing the temple back to God. What do you see Jesus here? He's humble. He comes riding in. But if you desecrate the holy place of God and you remove his glory and you think you are in charge, Jesus will come in and he wipes it clean. And in the same way, this is how he cleanses us. The temple today is not the building. Are we in a temple? Raise your hand if you are the temple. We are the temple. And what Jesus does is he's humble. He rides in and he washes out us and cleanses us and rededicates us for God's purpose. He is the king that is worthy of the palm branches. He is equating himself to God in numerous ways, too, because in that same text, this is something astounding. Jesus quotes, don't you know that my house shall be a house of prayer? I always thought he was quoting God, but other commentaries say something that really struck me. Jesus is actually literally saying, my house. This isn't God's house. Because I'm God, this is also my house shall be called A house of prayer. Now, I use this joke a lot, but if the pastor comes in today and says, "Thank you for coming to worship me," what are you going to do? You're going to get up, go out, or throw tomatoes. You're gonna you're gonna call the presbytery, and the police, and the psychedelic psychology ward. If somebody comes here and says, Welcome to my house. I am grateful that you came to worship me today. Bye. You run far away from that church. That's a good sign. That's not a good church. But here's Jesus. Don't you know that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people? Jesus is literally saying the God that you worship is me. But he goes further. If you thought that was maybe something that was a a stretch, read on in verse 15 and 16 of today's text. The chief priests and the scribes saw Jesus doing wonderful things. And the children were crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. The chief priests were indignant. And they said, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Let me stop there. The children are worshiping Jesus. And say, Hosanna, son of David. God has come, basically. And Jesus says, don't you know what it says in Psalm 8, verse 2? Out of the mouth of babes will come praise i'll take it that's weird the only people that would say that is they're crazy they're liars or jesus truly is god in this text jesus writes in not as a military king but as god so a couple of applications before we go just short first i think the text is showing us did you notice the disciples didn't even catch all of it. The scribes didn't catch it. But of all the people that get it, we're children. We're children. Um, can, can we agree sometimes we're too smart for our own good? Like children are so moldable. Children are so sweet. As we get o- o- older, I, you know, you get a little cynical. You get a little bit edgy and hard. You feel like you figured it out. Don't raise your hand, but maybe it's me, just me, but don't we get like that a little bit? And so you see, children here are the ones who see the clarity and simplicity of Jesus. And so the message to us is, if Christ isn't your king, if you don't follow Christ and obey Christ, it's not that Christ has given us lack of information. I think it's this, we lack humility in our hearts like a child, to follow God and say, you are king. Today, I think God's given us so many examples that he is real or he is true. If we don't believe, it's not that we don't have enough evidence. It's that our hearts refuse to yield over like a child to say, you are God. We become too cynical. Second, Jesus does not And will not win you over, this is good news about today's text, by dominating you. He will not win us over by lording over us and demanding worship. He comes in a horse. He is humble. Uh, Matthew 11, 28, 30. this, This is Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The way Jesus wins people over is this humbly coming into our lives on a donkey. He doesn't demand you to follow him. He invites you. He doesn't force you by crushing you. Some people are like, God, you know, you're going to destroy me. You're going to press me down. If you notice, that's very rare. The way Jesus does it is unlike any ruler, unlike any president, Unlike any emperor empires, Jesus comes out of kindness. He invites us to love him. And finally, as we look at this most um, this story all together, I want us to go into this Passion Week realizing Jesus comes triumphant not because he's got the victory on Jerusalem this day. The triumph comes because he knows where his journey is going to end. The cross is where he's going to get the victory. And as we enter this holy week, this is a week that I want to encourage us. It's a good time to learn the art of fasting. If you don't fast this week, maybe Friday, Good Friday, we're going to have worship here. Um, I'd like to invite our church to do this. A way we humble ourselves and to see God and to be desperate for God is to fast. So this Good Friday, I'd like to invite us to do this. If you could fast breakfast and lunch... And come to worship at 7 p.m. Friday night. And following the worship, we will break fast, uh, you know, go home and go break fast. But just during that day, as we kind of walk with Christ on his journey to the cross, we empathize with him, we sympathize with him, and we humble ourselves as he humbled himself to die on the cross, to give his life away so that we could live. I want us to enter into that and worship together as we meditate on his death that night. And so we begin Passion Week. This is part one of three. We invite you to worship with us and to see that Christian life is actually not about you and me. But it's about God bringing glory to himself through his people. Would you join me in prayer? God, we look to you. We see your greatness. We see your wonders. And at the same time, there's such a contrast that you're a God who comes as a human and who is so humble that your very walk on this earth was due to save us, to obey God the Father. And so we're here today, recipients of that incredible grace and gift. We pray that we would have humble hearts. That we would truly bow down to you. That people were shouting, Hosanna, save us. They were thinking, Rome, but God, may we say, Hosanna, save us. Because we are locked into this sin. And that you're the only redeemer. God, may we live knowing that there is only one hope for each of us. And that's you. And so we thank you that we don't have to come and find you. You have come to find us. Welcome, King Jesus, into our church, into our world, into our hearts. May you take your place. And may we lay down our crowns, our palm branches, and wave. Your victory is coming on that Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. This we pray with joy and hope in anticipation.